Hello and welcome to Apocalypse Arcade Zone episode 3. My name is Elliot Wengler and I am the comedian and host behind this podcast where myself and my guests talk about our lives through video games and talk about the games that we're going to take to the Apocalypse Arcade Zone. Very simply, this week's guest is Ethan Lawrence. He is hilarious. He's a lovely man. You're going to have a great time with him. I certainly did. Cutting this down, uh, given some of the chats we had, was an absolute nightmare, but I hope I've done a good job, and I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for the lovely feedback and receptive warmth. <laughs> receptive warmth? Yeah, let's go with that. With the warmth and the lovely reception that you gave the first few episodes, and please do keep subscribed, do keep liking, do keep downloading, do keep hitting five stars, all those things. It will be worth it in the end as we expand and grow and have the best time. So that's it from me for this one. That's it from the intro. Please have a lovely day and please enjoy this week's Apocalypse Arcade Zone. My guest this week is a really exciting man. He is an absolutely hilarious man. He is an actor, a writer, a comedian, a can sing opera as far as I can remember uh, a badly educated man fictionally probably quite well educated in real life and now a bad educator in himself uh, a, a horrible histories he is a very funny man he is a lovely man please welcome Ethan Lawrence to the show give yourself a round of applause Ethan that's not weird <laughs> <Yay. laughs> it's like an open mic comedy night um, I first met you at an open mic comedy night maybe 10 years ago uh, probably um, close to that nowadays, yeah. Um, and although officially I didn't start doing comedy until much later these days. Um, um, That's what we always say. That's it. Every I, every night is a new act night. If you... <laughs> How the hell have you been? You've been up to all uh, um, sorts in the intervening years. Yeah. Uh, well, I've dropped the writer and comedian from my, uh, oh, right, from my okay. bio now. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a criticism of you. This is just how life goes sometimes. Fair enough. Um, uh, yeah, uh, no, no more comedy anymore. Okay, uh, but you are still quite funny and performing comedy in a. You're performing other. You're still a funny. You're still a comedy actor. I'm a very serious man, Elliot. Oh, f- sorry, I forgot the other. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you were on the original run of Bad Education. That must yes. have been. Uh, that you know. That must have been a, a wild experience. Well, it was. This would have been a very similar time uh, for when we met, I would think. Yeah, probably. Because uh, this would have been. God. Okay, let's look back now. Uh, this would have been February, March, twenty twelve. Yeah, it's around so, that time. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, so that, that, time that's, that's when I. That is when that, those were like my first couple of open mics around that time. Yeah. Yeah. So not 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 to date the app. Uh, but that was about <laughs> 11 and a half years ago. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> let's not uh, worry so, too much. You know, it's, it's, all, it's all ancient history to me now. But you're also now in Horrible Histories. Yes. Which must be an absolute joyride. Yes. I mean, that's, 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 that's what I'm here to plug. No, no, no. <laughs> God, no one's heard of it until this, time, until this tiny, silly man's podcast. Um, that's it. <laughs> how, how, how did you get involved in that and how's it going? You, no, you, must, be having the, you must be having a great time. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, was, it was an odd way in because um, I'm sure, as as with many people uh, our age, like I grew up with the books. Yeah. Uh, which was, you know, such a lovely thing. Like, what an amazing thing to do. And then later, when I got the opportunity to audition for this, it was like it, there was a feeling that it was sort of coming full circle, and it was like a pinch me moment. Uh, but the issue was is that I had my final audition uh, for Horrible Histories on, I believe it was the 20th of March, 2020. And uh, you may remember Ooh, what happened three hello. days later. That, 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 that date rings a bell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really, sh- your, your hackle should be going up. Um, so we actually didn't start shooting anything on Horrible Histories until about a year and a half later. Uh, but since, since then, we've now, we've now done... Like, we did that, and the most recent run we did, we shot two series back-to-back uh, on account of the, the missed year because of COVID. Sure. Uh, so um, yeah, I'm, I'm now sort of three seasons deep. The second season is now sort of trickling out. Uh, if people want to watch it, it's on the it's on the iPlayer. Uh, you can go look at that. We've got uh, one about dads. We've got one about the NHS. We had a 75th anniversary recently. Uh, we've got one uh, about football in honour of the Women's World Cup. Started. Fantastic. Uh, and others will be coming out at some point, I'm sure. The mad thing about horrible histories, obviously, is that like it's like it's it was on it was a CBBC show, but also it just had such a massive appeal to every like it had it it worked on every lovely. So it must be so exciting to do something that's sort of so 
A, got such a legacy, and B, got such a wide appeal. For sure. I mean, like, it, it was the same with the books, really. Like, you know, the way I've always thought about it is that the way to make history interesting is to talk about the characters first and the date second. Because, like, I, I really think, like, you know, not not to criticise our schools, but like, <laughs> I really feel like they've got the education of history backwards. Because the interesting stuff is in is in the, the gory details, as it were. Uh, whereas, like, you know, you know, you find out what what year Henry VIII came to the throne, and it's like, okay, that's interesting, but it doesn't teach me anything. I can't Whereas use the fact this that he going had forward. Six <laughs> now you're onto something. Yeah, he's it's it's, it's a mad one. Um, what else are you up to at the minute? Uh, to be honest, it's mostly post production for all the stuff that I've been doing. <laughs> um, yeah, fair enough. It was a it was a busy time, uh, sort of middle of last year into early this year, and so now it's sort of uh, you know letting these uh, these um these buds sprout because uh, uh, again I, I, people think that television is live uh, <laughs> no, you, you shoot this stuff like ages ago and then it's you know it only starts coming out now so it's all about fixing it up and like doing um sound recordings and things like that uh, hopefully something will come along soon but you know this it's all feast or famine this job absolutely i completely appreciate that i just on a complete side note this isn't going to go in the show but 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 but, but april march 20th 2020 that's when like we were on the first week of shooting inside number nine series six because i was working on it in the production office and it was that we was that weird thing of we were watching we were like sat in the caravan we were sat in the production trailer watching the first press conferences about covid thinking are we gonna finish this show is this gonna happen (laughs) we're going to lose our jobs aren't we (laughs) having experienced the end of the world before i've got some um I've, I need to ask you now, how will you cope with the end of the world? Because that's what's happened. Well, this is the um, this, this this is where the premise of your podcast immediately fell apart for me. Oh, no. You uh, because um, I, it, in, under any apocalypse scenario, I would definitely be one of the first to die. Oh, nuts. Uh, for sure. Wh- which like, are, you know, are there any apocalypse scenarios you would see yourself thriving in? Not at all. I really don't. I, I've not got the survival instinct or the chutzpah to be able to... You know, really make sure I'm looking after myself. That's a shame, because like you know, nuclear bomb, I'd be under it. Zombie apocalypse, I'd be one of the first bitten. Like, fair I, enough. I, I, I just don't situation. have that sort of killer instinct, as it were. My thing about zombies is that it, it, it's it, they're not going there until there is a way to reverse the trend of increased amount of zombies to like the like the graph. You know, the 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 balance is constantly tipping in their favour. It's, and you're it's suffering an exponential the whole time. Growth, you, isn't it? you might as well you might as well just join the suffering. Is my thing with the with the zombie but with the zombie scenario, and no one no, no zombie like apart from maybe zombie land, no one has a good time or has a laugh or anything in any zombie situation. I always and... think about the Matrix. <laughs> oh yeah, you know they they talk about how brilliant it is to sort of you know jack out and finally see the relationship like you know the reality for what it actually is and what it actually is is everyone lives on metal tubes being chased by squids <laughs> it's like oh right what's what's the food like oh it's mainly gruel <laughs> and i'm like oh do you know what i think cypher was onto something actually <laughs> so that, that's me that's ethan lawrence there siding with the villain of the piece Oh well, it's, it's so he's sympathetic. It's a sympathetic. He's just a guy doing the job, you know. He's just he just all he wanted. He's just middle management. <laughs> and are we really gonna we're really gonna criticize him for that? It's a it's a it's a, it, the, 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 he doesn't live in a world where they've got unions. You know, he doesn't live in a world That's... where they can. <laughs> <laughs> There's no unions in the real world. <laughs> Here's the thing: the world has ended, but you've survived. Right? Sorry about that. Somehow, um, God somehow knows how. you've got. Maybe I to... was in like the middle of a duck pond or something. Where, where, where? Like, if it happened, where would you run to? Where would you go? Where was, or would you just hide in the flat? Well, I was going to say, as, as we've established, I would run directly into the path of danger. Into uh. the path of danger. Well, as you ran into the path of danger, and you sort of ran into the crossfire. Uh, there was so there were so many people shooting guns all directions and you just couldn't cope so if, and you sort of tripped over like at the pot the duck pond you were sort of just having a nice sit down and then it all happened and you sort of tripped over into the pond 
Uh, but then underneath the pond, you saw like what looked like a cave, and you couldn't believe it. So you swam into that cave, and believe it or not, you've hidden in this little bunker under in this cave under the dock pond in um, somewhere like Hampstead Heath, but maybe a bit further out of town than that. And you've survived. <laughs> you've you em- never em- accused <laughs> podcast of being London centric. <laughs> well, I was, I assume you live in you live in London, right? No. Well, oh, you? I don't know the ponds of I don't I haven't really researched the ponds of Essex beforehand. Oh, that's a show. I'm sorry, I should have forewarned. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Elliot, here are the ponds in Essex I'd find myself in just in case. And actually um, this is the specific location I'm in in Essex. I haven't bothered to look up the ponds, but I feel <laughs> if you if you hop on Google Maps for the I bit. might do this. Go, go, go. Where, where do I have to look on Google? I'm going to find you a pond. myself on the pod, Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> it's the end of the world. I used to know what, this, this podcast is designed that I will eventually, when it happens, have the addresses and postcodes of everyone who I know will, will, or, won't, will or won't survive and be able to go to their houses and get their things. And on, the, and then I'll be, you know, I'll, then I'll, that's how I'll survive. Um, so you have you've, to fight me as a zombie, though. Uh, oh, you're a nice man. It'd be, it'd be quite hard. To, it'd be quite. I wouldn't want to kill you. I'm quite burly as well, so like you want to. You've got out. a big build, haven't you? It's a tricky yeah. one. It's um. Oh well, look, look, here's the thing. You've you you have gone to you were at the duck pond, and I'm, under, I'm in the duck pond cave. And under the duck pond cave. <laughs> Notorious duck pond caves of Essex, you've found like a safe haven. You've managed to sort of find some leftover computers <laughs> and bits and bobs, and you have found the Apocalypse Arcade because it's an arcade made of the video games that made your life. Do you like video games, Ethan? I do, and I think you knew that, which is why you got me on the pod. <laughs> It was it was it was a reasonable guess. <laughs> <laughs> but I show up at this point and being like, I've never played a video game, not in my life. Because I saw that you were on um, a thing on um, Video Game Chronicle recently. Um, yeah, to follow uh, that, so those guys I are know great. a couple of the VGC guys. Oh, do you? Because um, uh, I met um, uh, Chris Scullion is is the is the one that I know uh, the most. Um, like we started, like we were internet friends for a long, long time. Wait, were you on the Onum forums? Uh, no, I wasn't uh, back then. Not quite. Not back then. Because that's uh, how I, I, I know, sort of I, I fell know into Chris knowing from that. Scully like backwards. Because oh, yeah. I discovered him through his that was a bit mental series. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah, which yeah. for people not in the know, he um, like writes uh, reviews of films that when they're finished, you turn to your friend and go, "That was a bit mental." <laughs> and it was only through them that I then sort of back engineered discovered that he was a a, a video gamesman. And so that like, is we became like, friends I... over the internet, and then subsequently we met uh, in in Meat Space uh, at the launch event for the Nintendo Switch. How how come you were invited to the launch of the Nintendo Switch? That is the most surprising thing you've said to me so far. Uh, I don't know why I was invited. <laughs> I've, got, I've, got an, I've got an email from my agent, uh, you know, who looks after a lot of people, and I think basically what had happened was they'd they'd come into possession of a um, of an invite, and they'd look through their books, and they was like, "Who's a fat nerd? <laughs> so, send Lawrence; he'll deal with it." <laughs> and so yeah off i went so let's start by finding out how we're going to make this apocalyptic arcade for you with your console history what was your first what was your first games console uh so and this will this will feed into i think some of the bits later because there's sort of there's sort of a parallel path here uh so when i was born there was a nintendo entertainment system in the house uh so that was the um that was sort of the way in i never really played it i used to watch him play it uh, it was just then, there, on, on the yeah, presently. <laughs> there it is, the little the little cube that could. Uh, later on, I think maybe when I was about five, maybe six, uh, I got my first console for a birthday present, and it was the Sony PlayStation One, uh, which was, uh, you know, at the time was that was the new hotness. If people remember the uh, the console wars of the nineties, uh, there was this this whole thing going on. But I got the PlayStation One, and since then, I mean, I don't buy into the whole sort of console war thing i'm not particularly interested in it i'm more interested in like you know the games like the games sell the console not not the other way around i think it's a thing when you're a kid and i think it's a thing to observe just as an interesting thing to observe because of 
markets and trends and you know barbie versus oppenheimer and marvel versus dc there has to be some kind of conflict i think it's only really a thing though when you're a kid when you could when you've like begged your parents to allow you to have a games console in the house and you know they've they've done the and, and that in their head it's a satanic thing to do or whatever and they've allowed it and then you realize one of the games that you like isn't out on this one or your friends are all playing on a different one and so you have to say uh, i you know that thing i worked really hard to convince you that i have to have to make my life worth living i now need another one that's as much money as before or yes, i need a different one I, and i can't the wrong horse. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's but, but 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 when you're an adult and if you're a gamer and you can have you know more than one console or you've got a pc and still some of that like i think it becomes a much less of a thing not like, so, but I mean, but... there's still a lot of there's still a lot of fanboy rage that goes on. Uh, but like, you know, to prove that I'm, uh, you know, I'm a, an equal opportunities kind of guy, uh, I went PlayStation One, PlayStation Two, Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty because of Dead Rising, and then back to PlayStation for four, and I'm currently on five. In between some of those bits and bobs as well, I mean, like, sort of the kind of the off season. Would um, you know, especially when I was starting to like you know, um, my own money and sort of like you know work stuff out, I it would tend to be a Nintendo thing. Yeah, definitely. So like I got a, I got a GameCube sort of right at the end of uh, its lifespan, just before the Wii. Okay. And at that point, like you could you could buy like eight GameCubes for a quid. But of course, because it was a household, we had a Wii because yeah. like everyone did. Everyone had a everyone had a Wii and central heating in two thousand six. That, that was, was it. <laughs> and uh, you know, I figured since I went to the Switch launch event, it would be weird if I didn't get one eventually. So when it was when I uh, at, at a point where I had just finished a couple of acting jobs and so was absolutely in the black for a bit, instead of like because I'm I'm not a holiday guy, right? Sure. So if someone's had like a, a big paycheck, they may sort of think to themselves, right, time to fling myself over the globe. But for me, I'm like, nah, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a materialist, capitalist pig. Give me a games console. <laughs> and so, at the minute, my, um, my, my, my current sort of console setup is the, the big beast that is the PlayStation Five with its Harry Hill collar. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, the little Nintendo Switch. One of the things that continues to amuse me about the Switch is that there's people being like, "Oh, the Switch can, isn't, isn't running anymore. It's neat. When when the Switch two, and it's still selling like twenty five million a year. Yeah, it's like it's a lads, good, people it's a good love it. it they don't they don't need another one. They're not going to do another one until they absolutely have to. And even... I mean, the thing is, like, they didn't have any competition for the longest time. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's a bit like what happened in the. It's a bit like what happened when Sega kind of in the 90s when Sega kind of gave up on 16-bit to try and compete with the Saturn and then left and then basically just let the Nintendo win all of their market space. That's that's, that's the like, Nintendo way. All they have to do to win is do nothing. So you had a NES kind of there omnipresently as your first... Uh, was it your was What was your first video game that you remember playing? Um, so what we had... I, rem- I remember this distinctly. There may well have been others, but this is what I remember. Um... We had a copy of Super Mario Brothers 2. Now, this was... Uh, to, to be absolutely clear, this was the one that was a reskinned Doki Doki Panic. Yes, this, uh, is the not, um, this is the not real Mario Brothers Mario Brothers. Yeah, this isn't, super, <laughs> this isn't what they ended up calling Super Mario Brothers the Lost Levels. This is the one where the gameplay is completely different. Uh, you know, he could pick between uh, Mario, Luigi, Toad or Peach... And they've all got different jumping stars, and you've got to pull up plants and throw them around. Uh, there's no Bowser, none of that. Uh, but I remember it distinctly because there was there is a moment towards the end. So in, as you go in between levels, um, once you beat the boss of the level, uh, there's like a bird mask on a wall. And the bird opens its mouth for you to go through, and that's what takes you to the next level. But right at the very, very end, you beat uh, Birdo and get ready to go through the uh, through the through the bird gate, and it comes alive <laughs> and starts flying around the room. And I remember being—I must have been two or three—and I remember absolutely shitting myself over that. <laughs> it was the maddest thing that had ever happened to me in my young life. It sounds like and the it's... kind of bonkers thing you'd expect in Zelda, not Mario. Well, that's it, and it was like. I think that was when I sort of learned that, like, you know, subconsciously, obviously, I wasn't making these sorts of connections there. But, like, that that was sort of, like, the first sort of big subversion of expectations. 
uh, in in media that I that I'd seen, and I was like, oh wow, okay. I mean, again, at the time, I was just screaming and running around the room. But... <laughs> <laughs> ah, no! <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that. So that would have been that would have been the first thing I remember from the NES. Um, and as I said, this sort of leads on to two tracks. The first game that I had for the PlayStation One was Croc: Legend of the Gobbos. Talk to me about Croc. Yeah, uh, Croc. Okay. So at the time. Uh, PlayStation were in dire need of a mascot for their platformers because you know that that was how things were at, at the time. Like you know, Sega had the Sonic and like Nintendo had their Mario, and so they threw a load of different ideas at the wall, hoping something would stick. Uh, one of the also rands for that was was Croc, uh, who was a small crocodile raised by these little orange testicles called uh, Gobbos uh, from from birth. And uh, he, uh, the, what was the name of the guy? There's the evil guy. He's a baron or something, but he's really tall and like a lizard or something. And he captures all the gobos, and then you gotta go, you gotta go rescue them using tank controls, uh, a spinning attack, and uh, and jumping and stomping. It's very much a platformer that you would recognise. Like it's it's like the generic basic platformer dot deck. You, uh, could, almost, you could almost like see them taking the skeletal of it and then just putting any old weird creature onto it and it would any any cartoon creature onto the skeleton of the character you're playing and it would sort of be the same as it were exactly this <laughs> but like because this was like early 3d platforming like you know uh, uh super mario 64 had only sort of really just started to codify what all that meant uh so it was very very stiff and clunky and PlayStation eventually sort of split off into two separate directions uh, with regards to how these things were going to work. Uh, and also for mascots, one of which was Crash Bandicoot, uh, whose concession to sort of 3D movement was basically to have you run down a corridor. <laughs> and Spyro, um, whose concession to 3D movement was to make it work on the PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing about... Uh platformers of that as i say of that era is that they didn't they were just trying to exist they weren't trying to innovate or anything and oh yeah it's that thing of it's it's like well i forgot what i said i'm so sure i was gonna say something interesting there i forgot oh but like no no the other thing about platforms that era also is that like when the playstation launched originally it did not have analog sticks those no, were didn't. a later upgrade that they pretended were always there, but they had they had many had to control three D platformers with these yeah with the um, the PlayStation D pad, which we can all agree was not suited for the task. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> um, so uh, Mario Brothers Two and Croc being early your early games, what is your favorite story or your favorite sort of campaign that you've played in a video game? Uh, a game now is going to come up that is going to come up a lot, so okay. be, be prepared for that. Uh, so, chaotic hot take number one. Oh boy, here we go. It's, it's Final Fantasy one. Nine, which is the best one. Final Fantasy Nine is the best one. You yes. heard it here first, folks. <laughs> it's the best one. Sorry, but it is. Well, it's two after that seventh one, and the seventh one is basically the obscure game now. <laughs> <laughs> so obscure. <laughs> The second part of the remake comes out. <laughs> <laughs> My God! At some point, I've I've never gotten Final Fantasy. I have played I have played some JRPGs. I played the tale. I played a fair few Tales games. I played a fair few. I played a, I played a bit of fantasy. I played some. I played Fantasy Star Online. I played I think one or two Final Fantasy games. I think I played Crystal Chronicles and one other one that was on the DS. And I just remember them all them being a little bit underwhelming. Why is nine the best? Why is nine your favourite story in gaming? It's bloody charming, mate. Okay, go on. Absolutely I, don't, I know nothing about Final Fantasy nine. I, I didn't even. I, I, I honestly, all I know about Final Fantasy is that there's a lot of them, and the seventh one is, is the one that everyone is, is the one that they have. Sort of, it's the seventh one is basically its own franchise. Yeah, <laughs> the seventh one was important. Uh, in terms of sort of like the history of video games, of course. Uh, but I find it very self-serious and po-faced a lot of the time. Uh, whereas Final Fantasy IX is the mirror opposite. It sort of starts as a kind of swashbuckling Shakespearean adventure. 
that eventually gives way into all-out global war before <laughs> finally becoming a sort of internal look at what it means to be alive. Bloody hell. Is it, is it turn-based? It just like, to is do it, is all it... that while still being cheeky and charming for the majority of it. <laughs> is it one of the turn-based ones? Or is it like in that Is it in that sort of post? Is that bit where they're kind of weird combat system ones? Like this the... was still during the turn-based times. They had um, what they called an active time battle system, uh, which was a little bit different from some of the other turn-based stuff that was around at the time. Uh, insofar as like you could basically the, all of your characters have a bar that fills up and once it hits the top of the bar that's when you can take an action right so instead of it sort of like being predetermined order it's about like you know how how it, how it all scales out from that oh so you've got to have experience you've got to have like enough stamina to fill the bar quick enough to get maximum attack potential or yeah the more speed you have or like you know using various spells like haste or stuff like that can you know speed up the process but that's yeah, you know, that's all about leveling, isn't it? Yeah. But I, like, I mean, we're, yeah, we're talking about the story here, and and like like I said, the fact that it is able to like pivot from all of those different modes while still having a sense of humor about itself, I really do think it's a an incredible like narrative coup in a way. I am just going to Wikipedia. That's why I have a basic idea of what I'm looking at here. Is it one of the ones that's? Is it? Was it? Was it PlayStation One exclusive? Or is it... yes. So this was um this this was the last one on the right. PlayStation One. Got you. Um, there's this crazy factoid that like this came out on the PlayStation One, and then like a year later, Final Fantasy X came out on the PlayStation Two. And like those two games, like just in terms of like technical specs are like years worlds apart from each other but like they were sort of de being developed in tandem because they obviously they knew that the playstation 2 was coming yeah it makes sense but this was like the big finale for the playstation 1 and then uh, in a manner of speaking but again it's that sort of makes it sound more sort of portentous than it actually was like it's it's it goes back one of the other things that i like about it as well is that it goes back to a more medieval setting sure um, as opposed to sort of like the kind of steampunk technocrat ebook future <laughs> that Final Fantasy VII uh, exists in, and you know maybe that, maybe this is just my personal preference coming out there, but like you know I prefer the sort of swords and sandals to lightsabers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also, when you're doing an RPG, I think the thing about turn-based RPGs and sort of well, sort of the JRPG um, genre when it's more medieval rather than the sort of the faux strange tech world it kind of makes sense for it to be a slow paced thing where you have to pay attention to all of the intricacies of all the characters and stuff when it becomes i mean i love the tales games but they have this weird thing of being in the future and the past at the same time you know it's, it's the past because it's a medieval world but it's the future because the, the evil guys have space bases and you're kind of like well they, they, they i don't know what tone you're going for here and I need yeah. to, whereas if it's all kind of medieval and all kind of you know witches and you know witchcraft and fantasy in that realm at least you know where you stand for sure i mean like the only sort of concession that nine makes to sort of future tech is there are airships but like these airships are like ships like in the sea boats but in the they... sky yeah, but like they utilize um, one of the sort of the key story beats uh, of the uh, of the game, which is uh, there's this stuff flying around called mist, and it looks a lot like mist and is mist. Uh, but um, that's what it's powered off, and it turns out there's actually something else going on there because of course there bloody is, but you won't find out about that until disc two. Oh, I loved I that is one of the reasons I love Tales of Symphonia whilst there was a two disc game. And four, to... Elliot. Four discs. Four discs. That's too, that's too many. It ain't. It ain't <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> oh, that's so much. Like, how... I can't comprehend that. I remember, like, my. I remember that we had this crappy laptop, and that my mom had gotten me The Simpsons Hit and Run as a present or something, and it had three discs on it to install it. And it was just quite clear that the laptop, the laptop was not going to be able to run a game. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't happening. Leave it alone. 
Um, did you ever spend much time in the arcades, Ethan? Uh, well, I'm as as we've established early doors. Uh, I am from Essex. Yeah. And Essex is notable for having a seaside. Uh, so when I uh, we used to go to South End quite often, and uh, you know all arcades down the front there. So yeah, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, we didn't we didn't go there all the time because it's you know it's not not that sort of place. But it, yeah, you know I would say I probably have a touch more experience than someone who's like heavily uh, landlocked. Do you have any mem- do, you have, do, you have, do you have a favorite arcade game? Uh, so I I was I was like the shooty bang bang ones. Oh yeah. Uh, so your time crises. Time crisis uh, too, man. Yeah yeah. House of the Dead. I played it again recently at um, the arcade bars in Soho, and I was kind of like, "This is on. Un- this is brokenly cruel. This there is no way you could you, you like getting good at this must be like it must take a fortune to get good at this because the, uh, practicing it is impossible unless you. I hate, keep I hate to tell it. you this, Elliot, but uh, that's the <laughs> trick. <laughs> um, Ethan, what is the best multiplayer game you've ever played? Right, this is such a bad question for me. Okay. Do you uh, not play I've, games with friends very much? <laughs> I've got little to no interest in multiplayer and everything. Okay, really fair enough. Uh, especially nowadays with sort of like the with the online world, I'm not. I just I can't I can't be doing with it. Like if I'm playing a game with someone, they need to be in the same room so I can like hit them if I need to. <laughs> uh, and to that end, uh, I've picked an incredibly obscure Japanese game for the PlayStation One. Go on. Uh, Bishy Bashy Special. Bishy Bashy Special. It's not yeah. come up before. I don't know if it's ever going to come up again. Let's do an hour on Bishy Bashy Special. What is that? What was right, it? Right, okay. So there are two <laughs> game modes in Bishy Bashy Special. Okay. Uh, super and Hyper. <laughs> <laughs> and... That doesn't even explain the basics of what the gameplay is. But it, you... All right, okay. You, you want some explanations of the basics of the gameplay? How is there this? any? Are there any? There's like... <laughs> Between those two modes, there's like maybe a hundred or so mini games. Oh wow! And you compete against, like, you know, you could do it on your own if you want, but that's not particularly fun. But if you can get someone else in, you compete against each other in competition rounds of three, best of three, best of five, best of seven, and you can either pick the games or they randomly pick the games. These games last for about, I mean, think WarioWare. I was gonna say this is sounding very WarioWare. Uh, but I think I think you'll find I think you'll find that WarioWare probably took a few ideas from Bishy Bashy Special. Bishy Bashy Special is the most exciting sounding thing I've ever. Like that sounds like that that could be a that that could that could be a restaurant's spe- spiciest dish. It could be um, the wor- <laughs> It could be a, the the worst cocktail you ever had. Well, it like you say, so it many tells things. tells you nothing about the content, it. and it's just it. So it's it's just relentless, a relentless array of mad and baffling mini games. In yeah, the, in and the, like you know, in that it, press A, quick type, get vain. Yeah, it, that's the sort of thing. Like you know, in one of them, you play a bride who's running down the aisle, and <laughs> but she's got a custard pie. You see. Ah. And so you have to get as far down the aisle as quick as possible without going off the end. But then you also have to hit a button to throw the pie, and the <laughs> furthest, furthest, whoever throws the pie the furthest wins. And then there's other ones where like you've got to make a flower grow, and the way the flower grows is just by hammering all the buttons <laughs> as much as you can. And it's it's great because it's like it's one of those quick release things. Like you know, it's not like uh, you know, nowadays. Like you know, these days, these days, these kids with their bloody these Fortnite. Living, bleep, yeah, like on. you know, you can get into a game and like if it goes deep, you could be on that. You could be on that for like fifty or twenty minutes. That's far too long. Bishy bashy special in and out in like a minute. Fantastic. Which has just I, got this great pick up and play aspect to it. My 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 probably my closest mem- my closest experience that's probably WarioWare. So yeah. I'm imagining it's good because WarioWare. I, I think if anyone if anyone is sort of wondering what it would be like, imagine WarioWare, but somehow even more hyperactive and with more colours. Because the Wii the Wii WarioWare. I mean, I I got that out for a, a New Year's party. Even as, as recently as six years ago, I got that out just because it's one controller around everyone and it's crazy and he- hectic. But yeah. that just sounds. That sounds. And this is on the. And this is on the PS One. Yeah. So, what you say? You're, and you're saying WarioWare copied it. I'm reasonably certain that this came before WarioWare because this sort of grew out of the. So I, mean, I don't know how much different it is now. To be fair, I'm not that familiar with Japanese television. Not being, uh, <laughs> as I am not a weeb, but um, fair enough. 
this sort of grew out of that kind of sort of crash style of Japanese show, sort of in the vein of like a Takashi's Castle or a Banzai. Okay, I've got Google Wikipedia. So there's Bishi Bashi Special, Bishi Bashi Special Two. Uh, there was Bashi... a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Bishi, ba- a European edition called. Okay, the European version is a compilation of one and two, apparently. Do you know what I think that must be then? That must be Super and Hyper. Yeah, and then there's there's Super and Hyper, but in there's also in the arc apparently the arcades had their own series, Bishi Bashi Special Championship, Super Bishi Bashi Champ, Hyper Bishi Bashi, <laughs> and um um, Gacha Gacha Champ, which is part of apparently the Bishi Bashi range. Um, the the Bishi Bashi um, universe. <laughs> the Bishi Bashi cinematic universe. <laughs> Where you try to get married and there's someone chasing you with an evil pie. Um, <laughs> if anyone's able to get hold of this, and I imagine you probably can't these days, I've probably got the last surviving copy. I would, but... I would love. I, I, you know, something. This is the sort of you know that like at the fringe, you get things like Wi-Fi wars and stuff. This is the sort that I want to see this play at midnight with drunk comedians. This sounds incredible. Bishy Battle Champion or Championship Online, um, and Bishy Bashy Channel was the most recent one. So there you go. That so is... this that just proves it, right? Okay, I've just nipped onto eBay. Oh yeah. Um, do you know what? You can get a mint copy for forty-five quid. That's not crazy. I was really expecting it to be a lot more than that. That is actually you know, given that these this is like it's a sort of a Japanese. It's it can't have had like a massive release over here, but it I, I don't have... even remember where I found it. Good for them. I hope. I hope they survived the pandemic. <laughs> Did the game? Let's just hope. Let, 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 if you, it's one of those, one of those games you really. I think if you if you aren't playing that game socially distanced, then you should be. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, a, honest, honestly, if anyone is able to get a hold of a copy, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna suggest you do this, but like, you could get a ROM if you wanted. Yeah, I think you, you know what. I'm just gonna quickly check one thing. I'm just gonna very quickly pause the pause the podcast. I'm gonna go on PlayStation app and check on the store what if what happens if you search Bishy Bashy special Bishy Bashy on the PlayStation store. <laughs> oh, coward! It's not on the current PlayStation store. They should so release it like a, that's the kind of thing that there's just compilation. Them cowards. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're afraid of money and success. (laughs) (laughs) It's a kind of outward party game there isn't enough of at the minute that makes you want to play games locally. The Mario Party games have something to them, but they just, they're they're slow and sluggish, which is, you know, design, it's meant to be a board game, it's meant to have that kind of pace. But you compare it to something like, there's nothing like the WarioWares or the Bishy Bashies, just outwardly saying, plug in. Pass the control around. See who can work out these games as quick as possible. Good, your your time. St- Alex Horn sat in the corner. Your time starts now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I imagine like you know, I'm, do you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm really gonna defend Sony on this one. I don't I don't think it's an act of cowardice. <laughs> <laughs> They're very brave. Not not. It's, it's probably a licensing thing. Yeah. would be my guess. Because like I mean, sense. God knows who owns the rights to this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm currently wow. set in some kind of like Japanese hyper real acid den, <laughs> like trying to like you know just surrounded by neon dolls' heads and trying to find the one that's crying. <laughs> it, it, just from the cover art on the on the Wikipedia article, it feels like the kind of game that David Lynch would play. Yeah, so t- just just to, just to describe it for everyone here, uh, there are um, five characters on um, uh, Bishy Bashy Specials uh, uh, artwork. <laughs> uh, the background is neon pink, as you would imagine. <laughs> Uh, so it's going like from left sickly to right, cotton candy pink. Oh yeah. Um, so going from left to right. Okay. So two of these characters I recognise. Uh, so on the left um, is in, in, in hyper bishy bashy. When you're playing sort of like as a as a two player thing, uh, you have two characters. One of which is a ginger girl in uh, what looks to be sort of like a maid's outfit or something. Yeah. And the other one is a dude with purple hair. Uh, wearing uh, the Bruce Lee uh, slash Phil Wang from Taskmaster, uh, the the, um, uh, the one not onesie the um oh, I, I don't want to use the word onesie. <laughs> <laughs> but like the more yeah. So from left yeah. to right, you've got the you've got the onesie dude, 
uh, you've got a tall, gross, troll-like man with spongy blonde hair holding up some noodles and gurning at the camera. He looks uh, so threatening. He really does. Uh, but that's fine, because underneath you've got a small a small girl, I think, yeah. in a green hat, uh, with really, really <laughs> bright anime eyes. And, and uh, this is incredible. This last one is just, I can't, I can't, I, I've been staring at it for about ten minutes now. I'm not quite sure what to do with it. Well, it's the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the Statue, it's the Statue of Liberty it's, with a welcoming, charming anime face? Is the Statue of Liberty a playable character? No! There's no <laughs> playable characters! None of them are quite playable. Stuff just happens, <laughs> and you have to deal with it. Imagine the closest thing you have to playable characters is like when you're playing opposite each other and you do have the boy and the girl. But like to call them playable characters, I think is pushing it. They're sort of just sort of avatars for for you to sort of look at as everything rushes by at a million miles an hour. I cannot believe we spent longer on this than Final <laughs> Fantasy IX. We've spent longer on this than we have Final Fantasy IX. The thing is, Final Fantasy, when you're describing a beautiful story or a story that's captivated you, you just kind of don't want to say too much almost because it's exciting and you want people to go and find it. Again, and all those kind of, all of the Final Fantasy games, if you were ever to get into them, they are out there and they're being you know, ported over and over. Bishy Bashley Special is never going to be mentioned on this podcast ever again, <laughs> I don't think. And I'm I... going to get I'm going to get in contact with Chris Scully and make sure he brings it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh right i know he knows it exists so <laughs> right i am gonna do one last you know, i want to do it now because i'll get distracted we do have other things to talk about um really <laughs> we could just should we just ignore all the other questions and make the bishy bashy special no um let's, let's just, i would love to make this a bishy bashy special I, special i want to go on twitch and see if it's being played on there at all but we really mustn't right now we must do that after the show um, I'm, I'm doing it now. I will ask you a question, <laughs> but I'm checking. Ethan Lawrence, what? so this is a sort of a two-part question, two sides of a coin, if you will. Uh, what game have you spent the most time on and you're proud of it? For for proud of it, it would be The Binding of Isaac. The Binding of in Isaac? In all of its various uh, incarnations. I've not heard of The Binding of Isaac. What is The Binding of Isaac? Really? Yeah, genuinely. I thought you would have been well into it. Uh, genuinely, what is it? Uh, so it's, uh, it's, a, it's a roguelike um, uh, from the Edmund McMillan stable, who also did um, Super Meat Boy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know Super Meat Boy. Uh, you play as Isaac, who is a small child whose mother is trying to kill him for fundamental Christian reasons, and so in order to escape, he dives down uh, deep into the basement of his house, uh, where he has to kill his own nightmares with his tears. Fantastic. That's the kind of premise I want to hear, hear about more often. What's good about it, it's, it's one of those ones, I, I mean, I, I enjoy a roguelike on occasion. Um, I've recently been replaying Hades, for example, uh, which is, you know, uh, sort of the sort of de rigueur of, um, of, of that sort of area. Yeah. Uh, love me a roguelike. I love the pick up and play and the replayability. Like, you know, if I've got a few podcasts to listen to or like, you know, something like that, it's something you can just have on in the background. Because of that, like this, the original incarnation of this game came out and it was either 2010 or 2011. So, you know, it's been around for a while. And I dread to think how many hours I've put into on all the different copies of that <laughs> I have of it. It's so disturbing how like Steam and PlayStation, all those things now record the number of hours you've played the game, and you can. I don't like it. It's 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 not. I think they should say. I think you should have to get. A, you should get a chance to opt out of that because I don't want to know. That's my time, not the game's well, not time. Not to bring up Bishy Bashy Special again. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it has a category on Twitch, but currently no one is streaming it. Oh no! Well, I know. I think there's a gap in the market. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks oh, from now, no. I'm just I, I I just text you about Ethan. The Bishy Bashel's Twitch channel is not taken off. I am homeless. <laughs> <laughs> I spent so much money on a face cam. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what, yeah, so you were on Binding of Isaac, weren't we? What game have um, you spent the most time on and you're ashamed of it? Spartan Total Warrior for the PlayStation 2. Fair play. Uh, which is a game that I think some people might remember, but most people won't. A lot of people, I've, I, when I've brought this up in mixed company, people talk about this game like it, like it's, like it was universally decided that it was shit. <laughs> and like, I feel like, I feel like everyone's misremembering this game. Because they're like, oh yeah, it's rubbish, absolutely, absolutely shit. I can't, I can't believe anyone enjoyed that. And it's like, it wasn't that bad. It was actually quite good. And it's one that I still go back to and play on occasion. 
Like, you know, is it a bit janky? Yeah, it was the PlayStation 2. Everything was a bit janky. And Spartan Total Warrior sort of had that feeling to it. Like, you know, the battles are pitched and there's like loads and loads and loads of enemies and you just tear through them and it's like, ah, oh, this feels good. This feels good to play. I've just done this Wikipedia. I did not realise this. Bloody Jason Isaacs is in it. In what? Spartan? In Spartan Total Warrior. What? Yeah, he voices Sejanus. That's good for him. That's mad. That's like they didn't really have actors doing games back then. Well, I tell you, what, I tell you who they did have. They had Jason Isaacs. He was way ahead of the game. Oh, that's so good. Because that's... nowadays he can't bloody move for actors being in in games. Because apparently we've got pretensions to art now. Did you see that Lublin and Keanu Reeves came out at this year's Not Quite E3 and was like, I am so excited to tell you about the upcoming Cyberpunk 2077 DLC. And everyone was like, mate, no no one's excited for any more Cyberpunk whatsoever. Why are you still here? I mean, I, I do you know what? I picked it up um, on rental recently uh, because I'd heard that, like, you know, after its uh, release, um, that, like, you know, things have been done to improve it. Do you know what? It's pretty good. I've heard they like now that like they've fixed it. It's quite good. I just haven't bothered yet because I've just got other things I'm playing. But like, it, yeah, but, for sure. But, but I mean, like, you know, I, I played it all the way through. Oh, yeah. Finished it, and yeah, I didn't experience any sort of like game breaking anything. Like now that it's stabilized, it's a pretty good game. Okay. I actually really really enjoyed it. I don't really sort of don't have any notes. It's, it's fine. <laughs> good stuff. Would play again. Yeah, I it, it, you know you passed the time. I had a good time with it. What is objectively the best video game of all time? Uh, Final Fantasy IX. Next question. Okay. What is objectively <laughs> the worst thing? <laughs> I did no. say it was going to be coming up again. Final Fantasy IX. Do you want to talk? Say, I feel like, given that we spent a good um, 20 minutes on Bishy Bashy, do you want to say anything more <laughs> about Final Fantasy IX? Um, Rome, tell Look, people here's, to go and check it out. Thing, right? You, you said so yourself. Like, you know, when you're talking about a game who relies so heavily on its narrative. Like, I don't want to be the one to sit here and, like, you know, do a a play-by-play, beat-by-beat analysis. Here's the thing. Final Fantasy IX is available on basically anything with a screen currently. Because they did, like, a sort of a... Not It's not a... I guess it's a remaster of sorts. They sort of, you know, made it a little bit prettier and, like, you know, took out some of the the jank. And they introduced stuff like, you know, speed up and, like, you know... All, all your attacks do max damage and things like that if you just want to sort of plow through it and not really think about any of the strategy in this day and age in the year of our lord 2023 there's not really any excuse not to have played this game fair enough and take it from me as someone who replays it pretty much every year and like you know and had done ever since i got it which was probably about 23 24 years ago now just do it it's worth your time, I promise. Is it a game that you can like speed run, or you know the fastest way through it? But even though you know the fastest way through it, you wouldn't ever do it because you want to go and do all the fun bits on the side you can do in that town and that cave and that extra dungeon and stuff. Well, there's a there's a <laughs> rather infamously um, in the PAL versions when it released um, over here, and then subsequently it's been included in the remake in all territories. Uh, there was a challenge that you could do in order to get a particularly powerful weapon. And it, you basically had to get to what was essentially like the penultimate room of the game in six hours Ooh. of in-game time. Uh, but because, amusingly, uh, it was available on the PAL system, but because of the way the frame rate had changed, it was actually impossible to do <laughs> <laughs> without like doing that thing, you know, when you used to be able to open the disc tray. Right, right. Uh, and which of course, this sort of like do little skips and things like that. And of like, course, you had this to, was like... on four discs, so you had to yeah. <laughs> so like you know, you had to like open the disc tray and like do a little thing like that. Like you had to actually physically interact with the hardware <laughs> in order to beat this challenge. That is um, the kind of thing you don't get anymore. No hell no. I mean, God, I mean God, for, can you imagine for... having to take the PS5 apart. <laughs> You've got to pull <laughs> the hard drive out and push it back in again at a speed to trick the game into doing certain. That would be uh, catastrophic. Um, yeah, it wouldn't work, wouldn't work. Uh, but, like, you know, I mean, I haven't done it, but I think I will one day because, like, it's not affected by speed up and max damage stuff. So it might be fun one day just to absolutely just plow through this thing and get get myself that, that, that special weapon. But, like, you know, that would be... That's something I'd maybe do, like, if I had a free day and could just sit there and just do that for six hours. But what is the worst game you've ever played, Ethan? 
Right, okay. So I had a I had a long old think about this. And it would be very easy to sort of talk about some of the games that I've picked up and like played for a bit and then it wasn't for me and put it to one side. I've decided to pick a game that I played all the way through. Oh yeah, yeah, fair enough. So that no one can say to me, Oh well you just didn't get it <laughs> or like, you know, or anything like that. And for that reason, the worst game is Red Dead Redemption 2. Hello. I found Red Dead Redemption 2 long and boring and just I didn't know why I was doing it. And then I stopped yep. after about, I stopped about, I don't know, six or eight towns in or something like that. Couldn't get on with Elliot, it. Elliot, my friend, I finished it. How was it? Shit. I've never played a game that is so fucking pleased with itself <laughs> like oh look our horses bollocks change and they realistically shit do they is that fun is that made the game objectively more fun oh well you can only fast travel from this map in the camp and also when you're in the camp you can only walk at a very very slow pace how is this fun rockstar <laughs> such a tedious slog all the time just Anything that can happen, like something that should take a minute has to take 15. And like, because it's Grand Theft Horse, every time you go on a mission, you've got to sit on the path and then they're going down the horse and they talk to you for hours and ages about nothing, just the same stuff over and over and over again. Oh, Dutch Vanderland has a plan. I wonder if it will go wrong. Yeah, of course it will. It's Red Dead Redemption, isn't it? That's what we're doing here. Everything you just, We're going to build ourselves up and then it's going to break down again. Oh, your guys got... To, oops, spoiler alert, sorry. Oh, your guys go got nuts. to... Go oh, I wonder years. if they're going to do that thing where you have to play as John... Ma oh, yeah. There you go. Right, it's just back to Red Dead Redemption 1 again because we're John Marston, but we're in the past. This game is just so tedious and I don't know why I finished it. I think just out of a sense of duty and masochism. I didn't enjoy a single second of it. I think it's simply because, like, you know, again, this is on a rental. Uh, I'm going to plug the rental place. Uh, so I'm on a thing called Boomerang Rentals. You could you could just rent in games and they send them to you for e-post and you can send them back. They're brilliant. That sounds I've good, been man. using them for years. And uh, so, you know, I, I rented it and I was like, well, look, clearly this is a game of quality. <laughs> so I've, I've got to sit down. Well, you know, it's Rockstar, isn't it? Like, you know, they don't they don't half-arse these things. And so I was like, right, well, okay, let's, let's you know, we've got to see it through. And, you know, on hour 30, and nothing's happened. And I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> like, nothing of consequence has happened. And I'm like, well, we'll I'm sure it'll get good in a bit. I mean, you know, everyone's been raving about this game. So sure, surely, surely it's got something to offer. And then now you're on hour 50, and it's like, there's no end in sight. This is just a death march at this point. I, I cannot tell you how pleased I was to take the disc out of the console pop it back into the uh, the sleeve that they send it in and pop that in the post box and being like, right, I've done that now. And if anyone comes at me with, oh, well, you, did, you just didn't you didn't play it for long enough. Bitch, I played it for long enough. On a happier note, what was your, what's personally your favourite game? may not be the best video game of all time. What is your favourite, what is personally your favourite video game? I'm going to shock you here, Elliot. Surely, it's, it's, it's either going to be Bishy Bashy Special Final Fantasy IX. <laughs> Do you know, for the longest time, I thought it was going to be Final Fantasy IX, but now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's nine. It's nine. But it's always F9. nine. That game means so much to me. It makes sense. That That's the thing. I don't think people always, people don't get, some of them who don't do video games don't get that the, the, the games have meaning to people in the same way that films or music can. And well, that's well, the it. Story and I think like it's... The story that compelled you in FF9, clearly it's done the same job. It's a comfort game. Nice. You know, like I, I go into it and like like I said, I mean, I haven't played it that this year, but I will, and that'll probably be my twenty fifth time through the game. What the and like sorry, I, I just, I love the headspace that it puts me in. Like it just makes me happy, and I know exactly what's going to happen. I know the, the rise and fall of the plot. I know I know what's like you know, what's what's going to break and bend and hurt them, but like then it all comes good, and it's like. I, I know all the beats. Like you say, it's like it's like a film you've watched a thousand times or a song you've heard a thousand times. Like you know every single in and out of it, but it doesn't matter because that's why you're there. Um, Ethan, it has been an absolute delight to spend um 
over an hour talking about Bushy Bashy special with you. But we... <laughs> you would not believe, ladies and gentlemen, how much we had to I've cut. Gonna, I've got to cut down so much Bushy Bashy chat. But when you escape, when you saw the gu- when you heard the bomb go off, and you went underneath, and, and and you were in a duck pond, and out of a sheer sort of moment of panic, you jumped into the duck pond, and they were like, "Follow us, follow us," and you went into their little underground duck cave, and you put together all the, the you put you survived in this little cave for a while, and you put together all your consoles, and you sort of and 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 boomerang was still sending you rentals of games, by the way. It just you had to put the duck. The boomerang in- survived. Thank goodness. Boomerang- <laughs> but people couldn't afford full price games anymore. So, so, so people, people, they didn't realize that Boomerang were making extra money because you know, like the delivery costs were monumental while the apocalypse was going on. Uh, and well, th- thank goodness <laughs> that Northampton wasn't hit by the nuclear bomb. That's... <laughs> it wasn't their, it wasn't their primary target, believe it or not. Wow, <laughs> um, <laughs> <I> wonder why. <laughs> uh, and you survived in your little underground duck cave of your games for a while. Uh, but eventually you you know were coming to the end and you decided to keep one game preserved for future generations to find what is the one game you're going to leave to the apocalypse arcade I'm not leaving Final Fantasy 9 that's for me you can't have it fair enough uh, what I will leave is um, so many of my favourite games are like over a decade old right uh, <laughs> and that's sort of like that's just the way it be sometimes uh, but I wanted to shine a spotlight at this at this late stage in the pod. I wanted to shine a spotlight on a game that came out at just the right time for me and really sort of revitalized my love for video games because it made me realize, oh, there's still so much in this space that like is worth defending, worth protecting, and worth getting excited over. Uh, so I want to preserve Persona 5. Um, I want people to be able to play that game in perpetuity forever. I'd never played a Persona game before, and I st- Persona Five is still the only one I've played. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I w- I'm sure I will get back to the others at some point, but it was just such a breath of fresh air at a time when I really needed it. When it came out, when, I, when it, funny enough, shout out to Boomerang Rentals. This was a Boomerang <laughs> Rental. Um, at the time, like my acting career had taken a real slump, and like I was. Um, doing pizza delivery to like keep the keep the rent paid and so like i was working pretty much every hour god sent um and so like you know video games are sort of like my release valve at the time and then persona 5 turned up and i was like oh, i'll give it a go i mean it was just it was on the list but i don't know what it's going to be like and i started playing and it just hooked me it hooked me so hard and like it's a long old game uh, because you know it's a jrpg it goes on for a long time yeah, yeah, yeah. and because i didn't have the much free time at the time it, 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 I just sat with it and I played it for months and months and like when I finished it I bought it wow like I bought I bought it off of Boomerang because I was like I I want to be able to play this again one day and it had a um, an expanded version uh, uh, Persona 5 Royal yeah that's how it's uh, which has sort of like a whole extra um, story and everything like that which you can do if you want but like if I, I would the one I'm preserving is that original Persona 5 okay Nice. Uh, because I think if people wanted to find Persona 5 Royal afterwards, they can. But I think that original story it meant it meant such a great deal to me in a time where I, when I really needed the entertainment. Fair play. And uh, so yeah, that can that they can have that. You can have Persona 5 Royal. I'm keep I'm what? keeping Final Fantasy 9. It's available on every console. You can find it. I'm <laughs> Whatever's left of society after the uh, after the bomb will will one day find Persona 5. They will not find Final Fantasy 9 for a while. But they will find. No, I've hidden it. I've, 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 <laughs> I've kept it in the bunghole. <laughs> um, Ethan, do you have anything you want me to? You, 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 you want a plug or, or uh, anything you want people to direct their attention towards, to watch, to read, to listen to, to? Uh, I've, to I've, view? I mean, I'm on. I'm on social media uh, at Ethan D Lawrence. Uh, basically, everywhere I've got that unified branding, baby. That's generally where I sort of promote stuff as it comes out, because like with the nature of podcasts, I don't know if you listen to us when this comes out or if you're going back at some point in the future. If you want to check out my stuff, I'll be promoting it on there. Uh, if you are listening to this in sort of like the kind of present, I suppose, Horrible <laughs> Histories is coming out. You can find it on BBC iPlayer. Uh, lots of apps. Uh, bring your kids. Tell the wife. Uh, but apart from that, don't follow me anywhere and don't talk to me. Ethan, thank you so much for joining us in Apocalypse Arcade Zone. Goodbye.